You're listening to The Lively Show, episode 248. Welcome to The Lively Show. I'm your host, Jess Lively, and this blogcast is designed to uplift, inspire, and add a little extra intention to your everyday. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank you so much, as always, for listening. Today's episode is brought to you by Aptive. Aptive is that on-demand audio fitness app that I really love using because they've done such an incredible job from the design and how it works to the workouts themselves. If you're looking to do workouts and you wanna have the guidance of a trainer and awesome playlists at the same time for a ton of different types of workouts, they have indoor running, outdoor running, meditation, Pilates, yoga, you name it, they've got it over there. You get to download it. They're easy, medium, and hard workouts. They're different lengths. They're different styles. There's different trainers. So you get to find exactly the customized workout you want to do with the trainer in your ear so that you're not just doing it on your own. If you guys want to give this a try and see why I truly love this so much, you can get a free 30-day trial, which is a really long time, kind of like a 30-day free month of the gym, if you think about it, by heading over to Aptive.com. That's A-A-P. TIV.com and then sign up using the code. This is all one word, the lively show. That's how you get it. And I hope you enjoyed as much as I do. Like I said, once you've got the code entered on the website, you then go to the app on your phone and you can get started. So I hope you like it. As I mentioned, I love using this whenever I want to have a workout with a trainer and I obviously don't have a gym to go to. Also, support from this podcast comes from ABC presenting Kevin Probably Saves the World, one of Entertainment Weekly's must-watch new shows. Kevin wasn't so great at life. He lost his job and his girlfriend and moved in with his sister, but things took a turn when Kevin learned his true calling. He's been chosen to save the world. Now his destiny may be our best shot. Kevin Probably Saves the World has a new episode on Tuesday at 10, 9 central on ABC. And as I've mentioned before, this is a great show that is a great fit if you're looking for something fun and aligning to do while you're also into the season four side of the Lively Show and everything we're talking about here. It seems like a really great tie-in. And actually someone mentioned recently that River's Hold On song was playing, which is one of my favorite songs. So it's kind of a Lively Show inception within this show. So hopefully you check it out if it sounds like a fun aligning thing for you to do. Now let's move on. Where am I? I'm in Sydney. This is my last week in Sydney and I'm going to do a riff today on the things I'm afraid to tell you. Last December, while I was in London in the middle of the night, I did an episode called Things I'm Afraid to Tell You because I felt like I was not really being fully, I wasn't dishonest, but I wasn't really being as clear about what my life actually looked like. And I could tell there was a disconnect between what people perceive my life to be like and what it actually was. And that was incredibly powerful. It actually was kind of the turning point that led us into what has become season four of The Lively Show. And it was incredible. Well, today's not the come clean. These are all these things I haven't been telling you or being afraid to tell you. They're just things I want to tell you because I feel like it's kind of been a while since I talked to you. Just talked, not interviewed someone or something else. I just really feel like being real and honest and sharing things that are going on in my life with you directly, not to a friend, not through an interview, but just here's what's happening. So these are things I want to tell you. They're not things that are super big and juicy and some kind of weird fear direction or anything like that. And by the way, before I get started, you may hear some weird noises in this recording. 
It is 7.20 as I'm recording this in the morning in Sydney, and there's some construction going on outside. So I'm hoping that the large boards they're throwing over the balcony don't get caught in the audio, but we'll flow with it if they do. So let's move on. I have my phone right here. I wrote down a little list of notes of things that I wanted to tell you and basically just share where I'm at in my life because I kind of feel like this is a weird spot in my life. And I know for those that have listened to A Lively Adventure, hopefully if you have that, you've enjoyed it. People have given me a lot of awesome feedback from it. And that was wonderful and was recorded this summer. But this is kind of an even more updated to where I am in October 2017. So things I want to tell you. Number one, of course, the thing that I notice a lot is I'm going through life is overall, I would say, by the way, life is really good. I've been really happy and thrilled to be in Sydney. It's been so great to be back. I'm looking forward to coming back again, I believe, as well in a few months. But for now, the thing that I've noticed this month a lot is my eyesight because this is something that I'm growing into. As you guys know, if you've listened to any of Abraham, they always say you cannot get it done. You're never going to be complete. That's the whole point of being in these physical bodies. Well, the thing that I'm growing into that hasn't yet manifested is the eyesight. And you guys have heard a few episodes about that. I asked you guys very kindly not to ask for updates on the eyesight because I didn't want to constantly be having to be reminded that it wasn't clear yet or wasn't fully back to, I don't know if I could say normal is the right word, but being to like a normal 2020 vision that many people have. But I will say this is a great chance for me to kind of share what I have learned about myself since going, I think about two months now, totally like pretty much glasses free. I can say I barely put them on ever. And at this point, the glasses that I used to wear They don't seem to feel good. It's almost like when I put them on, I can't remember why I had them on for a little bit of an extended time a few weeks ago, but I actually feel like I almost got a headache from them, which is so funny because most people ask me with the glasses if I got headaches by not wearing them, but actually is wearing them now has kind of created the more discomfort. And at the same time that I say that, I've gotten a lot of friendly feedback from friends that know me saying, you know, Jess, I'm all about language, as you guys know, and as a coach, I'm always thinking about what people's language and where they're at with what they're saying and how resistant they sound or seem to things. Well, I've gotten that feedback for myself about the eyesight and when I describe things that I can't see or that it's blurry or whatever. So it's definitely the area that I'm growing with. And it's really interesting because I think this time has taught me a lot. One is that the old way of seeing the world with the glasses and contacts obviously doesn't feel like a fit. It's uncomfortable to wear the glasses for a long period of time. And at the same time, I'm not seeing clearly naturally yet. So with that in mind, it's obviously clear that I can say that I believe in all this quantum mechanics and healing and all the stuff that we've been talking about in season four. And while I can say that I have faith that it will come back, the truth is faith, if you look up the word, this is so interesting. I read a lot. If you follow my Instagram, you probably see me studying on the Instagram stories all the time. Well, when I click on the word faith on my Kindle app, It showed the definition, and I was so shocked by it. It said, complete certainty. Did you know that? Faith is complete certainty. That's what that means. I haven't been using the word faith to mean complete certainty like the definition implies. But with that in mind, I realized that my subconscious or my consciousness and my subconscious, either way, have not fully reached complete certainty or complete faith 
in this work because to me, when it reaches that point, I will be seeing clearly. I will be at that stage. So I'm not in the past anymore, right? I'm not in the old way of living with the glasses and contacts or just saying, let's put the frame on it, put a frame on it, if you will. But I'm also not at the point of actually seeing fully clear. So it's kind of this murky land. And I think that's actually very metaphorical for my life right now. I think that there are a lot of ways of living in the past that used to serve me very well. And there are stories that most people live by in society today and that's great. But then as I kept going and exploring and learning and growing, those ways of looking at life don't fit anymore. They don't make me feel good. I can put them on for little moments at a time, but when I do, just like the glasses, I feel like I kind of get a headache. (laughs) But then at the same time, some of it, not all of it, but some of it, you know, the real leading edge stuff, really pushing my boundaries of what I believe is possible. I've also been, by the way, working on visualizing and using visualization and subconscious to modulate my body. And that's like, could be a whole nother episode. But yeah, I've been focusing on applying the principles I've been learning and learning and learning to the eyesight into physical body. So not working out for the maintenance or health aspects, but actually using my subconscious to program health and then work out whenever I feel like it as a fun activity like going to the movies or going shopping or eating macarons. As long as I feel like working out for those types of entertaining reasons, I'll do them. But actually for maintenance, I'm actually realizing and playing with most importantly, I think these concepts and applying them to the working out or not having to work out in this eyesight. And really seeing myself do this for two months, you know, this isn't just a little experiment for three days, but to really keep going and going and going. And I have to say the body stuff has been better because I have health and I started with health, I guess. Maybe that's kind of it, where the continuation of health is probably easier for me to believe in and see and continue than to see the quantum shift that it will be potentially or gradual shift that might be for the eyesight. Or who knows, maybe the eyesight will never change. I mean, there's no guarantee. I just am trying to edge my way into faith, which like I said as earlier is complete certainty. I guess I right now could say that I have a really, really strong hope, but To me, I will see when I believe at all levels. And obviously, you could say that either way. When you see, you'll know that it's true, so you'll believe it. Or when you believe it so truly, that's when you'll see. Either way, I can tell as I push myself on these new boundaries that I'm not quite there yet. And that's okay. It's just living in the blurry world that I live in. And I can say one of the things I've noticed is that in general, my life is pretty Isolated could be one way of describing it now as I'm in another part of the world again, 18 months later, and I have like a little group of friends, a little posse, a little community here, but I can't even see people clearly on the streets or at the coffee shops or anything. So unless I'm very close to this person, the details of their face and stuff, I will say it's like great Photoshop. You can't really see many wrinkles. People look better (laughs) in my eyes than they actually do. It's like everybody else of 2020 is seeing with HD vision, and I'm just seeing like the bokeh, beautiful, blurry life way of seeing people currently. But I feel even more insulated than just the travel would suggest. Like, of course, I only know so many people, so I'm not that connected to the greater community at large, wherever I'm at, or what's going on in the world in many ways. But at the same time, it's not even just that. It's like I've got a three-foot, two-foot bubble of clear vision that also isolates me even more. And while that could feel lonely, I actually have found there are some gifts that come from it. 
And I'm trying to look at those gifts as something to appreciate about this season and phase rather than something to fight or to be like, why isn't the clear vision here yet? Why isn't it here yet? One of the things is it's really easy to stay focused on what is wanted because I have a harder time physically seeing what is unwanted. So for example, wrinkles, like I said, physical body. When you can't see yourself very clearly in the mirror, it's even easier to hold the vision of what you do want in mind because you can't critique and see very clearly what's actually going on. So that is kind of a benefit. And yeah, the people in my life that are important to me, those are the people I literally and physically can focus on because the rest of the people I cannot literally or physically focus on in a physical way. So that's been an interesting thing. Abraham always talks about focus and attention and being deliberate about that. Well, this eyesight thing has actually made me incredibly deliberate and incredibly focused and made my life in some ways even better because of it. But there are also times when I go, for example, to the mall and with the unnatural lighting of a mall, I can't see very clearly and I can't see very far. So the idea of walking by a new store I've never seen before and deciding whether or not I want to walk in, it's kind of like I can't make the decision purely based on the design of the clothing because I can't see it from very far away, very detailed. Now, obviously, I can tell a men's store from a women's store and a lot of details like that. But, you know, if it's kind of like, I don't know if that's really me or not, I end up having to use my intuition a lot more, I guess I should say. And also, while I have gone to the mall a handful of times or shopping a handful of times with this current site that I have, the natural site, as I call it, I'd still get to where I need to go or I'm standing by an escalator and it, like the bra that I wanted to purchase is like a repurchase is exactly right there. Like, so the focus is still there in my life. It just is the feeling I was used to having of the spontaneous things that would attract my attention and get me to go that way or that way. They're not quite a spontaneous feeling or the truth is that when it is spontaneous, it is more my inner being guiding me rather than my visual mind or my conscious mind. So that is what I've noticed. And then last but not least, I'll say that I have to say flowers and light, especially at night, is really beautiful in my eyes. And I've been spending a lot of time with someone here in Sydney and he has excellent vision. And he said, you know, a lot of times there's been moments where we're looking at something at night and he goes, yeah, I bet it's even prettier in your eyes. And that's probably true. Like there actually is some benefit to this and I'm just continuing to flow with it. So that's probably been the, one of the biggest things on my mind lately. Another kind of magical thing that happened as we talk about going away from the old way of living or the way, you know, people think the world is only matter and not connected to the zero point field or to this ability to change our circumstances through our consciousness. I had like a neck pain and a migraine for three days with the migraine and a week with the neck pain. I think the neck pain seemed to start from sleeping on a pillow that wasn't the best for my back or my shoulders, but then it wouldn't go away. It was kind of this lingering thing. I got massage, I'd work on it. I wasn't really sure what was going on. The thing that actually worked actually was sitting on a sofa alone and then going into the pain, inviting it up and recognizing that it may have an emotional cause instead of a physical 
cause because after a week and after changing the pillow, the ache was still there. The migraine was then kind of traveling up my head from the shoulder up into my skull. So it was kind of still seemed connected and related to that. And by sitting on the sofa in that pain that I was in, I just cried for about 30 seconds. It kind of was an emotion that seemed to be a little bit trapped almost, if you will, in my neck. And the pain on the neck instantly went away instantly went away. It instantly went away when I asked my intuition what it was caused by and cried it out. Literally 30 seconds of crying, neck pain gone. Now the migraine was not quite so easy. That one lasted after that as well. But what it ended up doing is once I figured out what the emotional thing that was based on involved having two conversations. I had those conversations with those people and then the migraine went away as well. So magical, right? To think that we have these physical pains like migraines and neck pains and back pain and that we just think that they're just physical ailments alone and then just try to treat them alone. And let's be honest, I was still taking migraine medication when I had the migraine. I wasn't super thrilled with it, but I'm also not super against it either. But I also recognize very clearly the cause of this may not be purely physical. It may be emotional. And to see that the two conversations and the 30 seconds of crying made it go away was truly powerful. And like the site, it's like, this is the stuff I've been learning and to see it play out and actually work for me in my own life has been incredible because as much as I can say, I believe it, to see it happen, that's a whole new level. So that was pretty cool. And going on, I just turned 33 this month. So 3-3. I'm excited to be 33 in part because lately, I don't know about you guys, but a lot of people I've been talking to and friends and in class with Flow With Intention Online have been looking at a lot of numbers and sequences of numbers, repetition of numbers on plane tickets, on the clock especially, on text messages, whatever it is, to have a repeat of the same number in a row or a pattern of numbers. Well, 3-3 is alignment. So whenever I see those numbers like 11 or 1111 or 1212 or 1234 or 555, whatever it is, whenever I see those numbers repeated, any type of number, I don't really have any specific, I just like seeing the repetition in general, that I see as a sign that I'm feeling aligned or that things are clicking for me. I'm in the flow and I'm in alignment with my inner being or intuition. And I actually have a friend who has a little bit even more detailed of a little story that he tells for himself. So he feels, based on his own observations of his life, that if he sees two, three, that means he has more alignment work to do, that there's he's not quite there yet. But when he sees the 11s, that means he's there. So he's speaking specifically usually to the clock, but two, three for him indicates that he has more alignment to get into. And the one, one means that he's in alignment. Now, obviously you guys might go, either some of you are totally knowing what I'm talking about and all about this and other people aren't. What the cool thing is, I love what Abraham says about this, is either way, numbers do or don't have any meaning. So if you ascribe them meaning, then your intuition can communicate with you through them. If you don't, they mean nothing. So it truly is kind of what you make of it. So you don't have to believe in it. You don't have to think it's true or real. And it's not universally true or real as much as it is personally true or real for you and what you align and ascribe to it. So for my friend that likes the 23s, well, that's what it means to him. 23 doesn't mean I need to align more myself. I guess any number that's not repeating to some degree, I would kind of go, I'm not 
necessarily in the greatest alignment right now, but I wouldn't think specifically around two, three, and 11 like he does, but that's how he and his intuition communicate. So it's kind of cool. Moving on, I've been loving Flow with Intention online. Love, love, loving it. I'm excited to be doing an advanced course that's going to build on the concepts of Flow with Intention online coming up in 2018. But one of the thoughts I wanted to share, there's been so many great conversations through the coaching calls that I've had with the clients, and it's just been so fun. One of the people in the call I found super powerful, and I've even thought about airing this section of our conversation here on the show, potentially in the future, is that there is a woman who had a business and children and is just like a lot of listeners out here listening to this episode right now. And she said in our class as we focused on alignment and really getting into that in a whole new way, deeper and wider than ever before, as she got into that alignment, she said the phrase, I thought I was a generally happy person. And then I felt the way I felt when I got into alignment, as we talked about in class and we discussed as module one. And what was so powerful is that she said she always had this identity, this thought in her head that she was aligned. She thought she was a generally happy person, generally aligned. And while that may be true to some extent, it was truly profound and a little bit earth shattering and shaking for her to really get in alignment and feel the difference between how she felt then and how she felt when she would have normally described herself as a generally happy person. It was really disconcerting to see the feeling difference in her body based on actually being in alignment versus when she would have said she was a generally happy person. It was mind-altering. And what it is, and I've heard Abraham say this a time or two as well, is that we think we know how we feel, but the truth is often we're quite unaware of the feelings we're actually feeling. We might be labeling feelings with words that are fine. We can label whatever we're feeling with whatever labels. It really doesn't matter. But to actually change the feeling states of being that we're in and to change them for the much more positive versus when we're living in one we think is kind of positive and actually to taste the difference between the two can be life-altering, can be identity-changing. It was really profound to think. I thought I was a generally happy person, but what she actually was feeling most of the time was rushed, hurried, overwhelmed. And she just thought, you know, I'm a generally happy person. This is how, you know, I've got all the things. I've got the business. I've got the kids. I've got a great life. I'm an optimistic person. I'm not depressed. probably had those stories going on in her head, but to actually feel the physical feelings of joy coursing through her veins and in her organs was a totally different type of experience. So that was a really interesting one. Now let's move on. I am also going to say that the other thing I've been thinking a lot about is the 5%. So as I've studied things around consciousness, the subconscious, a lot of work, especially around Joe Dispenza, says that our mind has two parts, the subconscious, the conscious. The conscious is around 5%. So what we're actually aware of day to day is 5% of what's actually going on activity-wise in the mind. And the 95% is this deeper, basically running the show part of our mind and brain that has our subconscious and automatic programming. It has a lot of limiting beliefs are held there and it has the systems like our body systems and functions operating as well. So 
when I've been learning that, I've also been overlaying that with something that Abraham's been talking about, which is called blended being. Now, blended being they describe as the connection between ourselves and our consciousness and the connection with our intuition, soul, inner being, whatever you want to call the other non-physical part of ourselves. Now, I've been talking about intuition for eight years now, so it's not new to me to talk about that other part of ourselves, and I've been extremely aware to varying degrees of that part of ourselves for a really long time. But over the continuation of this year of studying book after book after book on subconscious and consciousness and even the intuition and other metaphysical stuff as well, my own consciousness is recognizing its own limitations and is looking and seeking an alternative way of being. It actually realizes that it's only 5% and that there is this other intuition or other level of consciousness within me that's not necessarily the subconscious. I'm not saying that my inner being soul intuition is my subconscious. I think the subconscious is kind of like a straw or a tube and it's connecting me to. So it's kind of like there's the consciousness that is just lively talking to you right now, 5%. Then there is this 95%, which is this giant paper towel roll or tube that then connects on the other end of that. There's one end is me and the other end of me is my intuition or inner being or source, whatever you want to call that. Now, that other part is non-physical. That other part does not communicate in the same way that my consciousness does necessarily, although because I have been hearing words and channeling, I guess maybe I can get some of that. I will say that that side is what I want to blend with more and more. And my consciousness, the 5% just lively brain that I'm talking and aware in all the time, realizes its own limitations. And the ego lives in the 5%. So what's really interesting is we hear Eckhart, we hear Byron Katie, we hear all of these stories of people that become enlightened through suffering, through recognizing the limitations of their ego and how much hate there is from the ego or how much they hated themselves from the ego and how they got so sick of hearing that voice that they really realized it wasn't real or that it wasn't true and that kind of thing. What I think I'm realizing right now is that it's not so much that I'm hating that voice or that I'm fighting with that voice or that voice is really terrible. It's that my rational brain, the 5%, recognizes its own limitation from a rational point of view because I've been feeding it so much information in this area all year that it's kind of like, all right, I don't really want to do this anymore. I don't really want to be this active because it rationally understands its own limitations. It's kind of like I've not deliberately, but I kind of have just presented all the facts and the argument and like almost like in a debate and the mind is like, okay, you're right. (laughs) I'm not nearly as powerful as I like to think that I am or that I could be. And There is this other part of me that's far more powerful, far greater, far more capable of bringing new and innovative things to the world. That's what I'd like to say. What I've realized about the 5% is that when we live out of the 5%, we can create and we can make a life out of the 5%. We can copy other people's ideas, rearrange them. But kind of when we're living from the 5% and we're operating from that place and let's face it, 99.9% of the world is taught to not only experience it, but to live out of it. Do the you know typical education system. That's just moving around the same blocks that have been there before. So it's like if you're an architect, it's like you've seen other buildings, you've seen these plans, and you're executing on what's already been done before. 
It's already been done before is a great summation of it versus Gaudi. I love Barcelona. I've been going there a lot this last two years. So when you go to Barcelona and you see Gaudi's architecture compared especially to the time that he was in when it was happening, it was unlike anything that was going on at that time. That to me is the blended being. That to me is the connection to that inner being pulling through something truly unique, new, and life-altering for the planet we live on. He wasn't moving around the same bricks and building buildings in the same way. He started that way, but he started, I believe, quote-unquote channeling in a very broad sense of the term. He started finding that connection, opening that tube through the subconscious to what was inside of himself and pulling through new things. Well, my consciousness, my 5% wants to do that. It wants to pull through new things. It wants to not just move the same old bricks around. It wants to do something brand new and exciting and moving forward just because it seems more fun. It seems more valuable. It seems more exciting. And also, weirdly enough, it seems easier once the hang of how to do that happens. My 5% doesn't need to think anymore. It doesn't need to effort. It doesn't need to plot and plan. It could be from a place of joy and inspiration and action and inspired action, of course. And then it can be unique in, in, in a way that I don't even know what it will look like, but I just know that This has been kind of an interesting shift is to notice that my consciousness is recognizing from a conscious, rational perspective, instead of fighting it through, it's literally just seeing the facts and going, oh yeah, I should probably change. (laughs) How many of us know people that are older in their lives? And they could be young people too, but they're so set in their ways. And you look at them, you're like, man, if you would just shift this and this two degrees over, your whole life could change, right? But they say so stuck in their pattern, so stuck in their way of seeing things that they don't even think about it. They won't even open their brain up to change. Or sometimes maybe you see someone that was like that and then they change. You're like, oh my God, this is incredible. This is so powerful and inspiring because they do. Well, it's kind of like my own consciousness, which normally I think most egos like to stay stuck in the certainty and the safety of them being in charge. This one is in my head going, all right, (laughs) I'm only capable of doing 5% and I rationally know I'd like to do more than that. So let's find a way to go about this whole thing, Jess. So that is last but not least what I have been feeling. And what's interesting, I guess, about that with the show is I don't know how that's going to affect the show, but I deeply believe that it will because I am finding myself less and less excited about content and material that's done from the 5% in general. So I'm finding myself this year being more and more drawn to works that are channeled, works that are drawn from this deeper, more inspired, new cutting edge space. Obviously, Abraham would be an example of that. Bashar, which we had Aaron Doty on, and he kind of got me to kind of pay attention to him. I'm sort of getting into that and just recognizing, I think, and honing my vision in the world for not just channeled voices on the internet or in books and stuff like that, but also the things like Gaudi or the Einstein with the equations that he channeled. I don't know that he would have called himself a channeler, but he deduced the facts after he received the bolt of inspiration. When we say we have an aha moment or it just came to me, that's the blending with our inner being. That's when it's coming through that pipe and into our awareness and consciousness. And then we get to execute in the physical realm or we get to once the E equals MC squared comes into our brains through that 
connection to source. Then we go onto the blackboard and then we go and prove out to people how this works. It wasn't because he deduced it from the formulas. It was that it came to him and then he used the formulas to explain it rationally to others. So I've just been kind of honing my little spidey senses for that type of channeled consciousness material in the world and then being drawn more and more and more to that energy, to that frequency, to that type of living and appreciation for that. And then also for myself, how will that look for me? Not 100% sure yet, but I have a feeling that Jess Lively as Jess Lively is just realizing it's only 5%. What more can I offer that is far more than just this 5%? That doesn't mean I'm going away anytime soon or anything, but it's just something that I'm thinking about. And doesn't mean I'm going to be trans-channeling here on the show. Who knows? But All I can say is that my consciousness is recognizing its own limitations and starting to look for something more, something bigger and something far beyond itself, which I think is pretty cool. And as far as a human evolution in consciousness, if more people can get to this place without having to suffer and beat themselves up mercilessly through their ego, but the ego itself can recognize an irrational, calm, peaceful, and positive way that it is limited and that by letting itself down, letting its guard down, that it can open up to so much more and it can do it in a willing partnership. How beautiful is that versus the kind of like tug of war that you often kind of hear about told between the ego and intuition. So that is where I'm at with that. And there you have it. Those are the things I've been wanting to tell you guys. Now I feel like we're kind of all caught up onto the same page and I hope you're having a wonderful October as well. And if you want to find me on Instagram, Snapchat, or Twitter to see all my <laughs> iced teas and alignment notebooks, you can go over to Jess C, as in coming clean lively. And for show notes for this episode, head over to JessLively.com slash want to tell you. Now, before I share where I'm headed to next, which P.S. is in the States, support for this podcast comes from ABC presenting Kevin Probably Saves the World, and Kevin has a new episode airing on Tuesday at 10, 9 central on ABC. Now for where I'm headed to next, I am going next week to LA to the Summit Conference, or at least that's the plan. This has been one of the most interesting seasons. Maybe I won't go. Maybe I'll go somewhere else. But right now the plan is to go to LA for Summit Conference. I've already bought my ticket and been planning to go, but for some reason the inspired action part of it has kind of been lagging behind. So hopefully it'll click in and I'll be going and it'll be great. Or maybe I'll be pivoting and going somewhere new. Not sure exactly, but that's the current plan as of right now. Until next week, may something wonderful happen to you today. 